This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. In the early days of my podcast journey, I wanted to uh, meet a few tattoo artists and, you know, the opportunity uh, it hasn't come up until now. Uh, and I'm meeting some more tattoo artists. And in the space of the Vietnamese, uh, it's important because there's so many different traditions coming out of all of these countries that have a dedicated sort of history with tattooing. But the Vietnamese... Uh, First generation in the United States, uh, even arguably in Vietnam in the 70s and 60s, they weren't really happy with their kids who ever got tattoos. It was looked down as a stigma, looked down as something that is a uh, or something that is uh, gang affiliated. And that potentially was true. You know, that mindset, that paradigm was true. The ways we look at tattooing coming from and coming within the Vietnamese community is, is changed. And as a result, in the last two decades, there have been uh, tattoo artists that are coming up uh, in the Vietnamese community. So I am happy to now introduce one of my first tattoo artist guests. Uh, I'll be having more. Um, his name is Andrew Tran, uh, otherwise known as Hori Tran. We get to find out how he had studied uh, under masters. This is interesting to me because... Andrew is a Vietnamese artist, but has learned under the Japanese tradition. And if you follow my podcast, I typically get into this idea of process and technical specialization. Andrew explains this idea of tattooing as a way of life, a way of ethics, uh, a way of doing good, uh, of community that uh, we normally don't think of or we don't normally associate when we think of uh, people who are on the tattoo uh, communities. So I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast with uh, Andrew Tran and I. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all of my name's Andy Tran, AKA Hori Tran. I'm a member of Hori and Ichimon. I am a international award-winning tattoo artist. And um, that's about it. That's all I do. Andy, thank you for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, before we get into the technical side of, of tattooing and the historical side and all of that, you know, I just had this burning question I had to ask because it's related to the way I I've experienced tattooing, but how often do people regret getting tattooed? And I'm not saying regret from you or your work, but just overall, what's the general <laughs> sort of, what's the general sort of vibe out there when people, you know, when you talk to people about getting a tattoo and they're regretting it? That is a great question. Not my clients, but statistically, it's 25%. It's one out of four. I know that because I consulted with a laser removal uh, practice. And so they gave me the stats of it. And it's 25% of this uh, 
newer generation because, you know, they're getting more smaller tattoos, more rapidly, more uh, uh, spontaneously, things like that. Well, why do you think people regret it? Um, a lot of the times it's probably impulse decisions or it's just like or they're like with their friends and they were drunk or something like, hey, this is kind of cool or let's get this right. They usually when you turn 18, you kind of get the tattoo just to get the tattoo. Right. That's like the impulse today. So when I say today, it's 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 a different market today than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, so yeah, you would just get a tattoo just because it's just like when you turn 21, you kind of just want to go have a drink or you want to do those things that you're allowed to do now. So it's very impulse like, you know, or you're, you're kind of, you're kind of a kid, you know, and then you finally turned 18, you're, which you're, you're still kind of, uh, haven't experienced a lot in the world yet. And you kind of still don't know what you want and you still haven't made like enough strong decisions. There are very rare cases where like. I've had people that that come to me when they're when they're minors, when they're like 15, 16 with an idea and they'll come back to me when they're 18, still solid with that idea, very determined, very, very clear minded. So it's it's um, yeah. You know, that that makes me think about tracking these kinds of individuals. Right. If you think about the success in your life, it really depends on this ability to think long-term strategically, right? Like <clears throat> I have an idea at 15 and I'm willing to go back to that tattoo artist to develop my idea at 18, 19, when I'm able to do this. And that could probably show up in the way you go about your finances, you go about your uh, education, career path, because it shows like deeply thinking about. And, and the reason I bring all this up is, you know, I want to get into the whole idea of when people come to you with a real plan that mm -hmm. unfolds out in a very different way uh, artfully and, and there's a technical technical way to approach all this stuff right uh yes so i prefer to work with um people who have a solid idea it's it's better for them and it's better for me um if they're unsure it's fine to give me the idea if they give me full creative freedom. But if they're in the middle and they're indecisive and they're unsure, I prefer to just not take their money. I prefer to give them their time to wait till the inspiration hits them or you know they've made a, a, a strong decision. You know, it just makes everything a lot uh, smoother, right? And like you said, uh, same thing in kind of life, right? where if you are dedicated and you have the discipline and then you have everything ready and everything set and you have that plan, you know, everything goes a lot smoother. Everything uh, can uh, become greater, faster, you know? You know, uh, you're the first uh, tattoo artist that I am going to be interviewing. Um, and I have a few, and I've always wanted to interview Vietnamese tattoo artists because when I was growing up, I always saw tattoos on men, older men, like my dad and, you know, his uh, friends in that generation, you would see tattoos that were jailhouse tattoos, basically. Right. Or they would get them yeah. in the out in the field and there were never real tattoos on older men that were of any artful significance. And that's changed significantly today. 
Yeah, in、um, the Vietnamese community, right? So, growing up down here in、um, Westminster, Little Saigon, I never was into tattoos. I never wanted to get into tattoos. I was fairly anti-tattoo, right? Just just like you, the only things I've seen in tattoos were were lettering, right? Letters and numbers, right? So I didn't even know you could do pictures in tattoos. And there was just like that big stigma of it was only gang tattoos, or it was a way to be identified, right? If you ever got pulled over by the police, or if someone was looking for you, they could identify you by the tattoos that you had. So we always try to play like incognito. It wasn't until I moved to the Bay Area that I I found it as a art form. And、uh, specifically Vietnamese, we were. There's a very small percentage of Vietnamese tattoo artists at that time. You're talking about like you know, like、uh, late '80s, '90s, correct? Yep, that's right. Now, where did you in the Bay Area get this spark of inspiration to get into tattooing? In the Bay, I got my first tattoo in like my friend's bathroom by some guy who from、um, from a guy who just got out of San Quentin. And then he was like tattooing, and then it was like guitar string, Walkman motor, like cigarette ash, super super grody. But it was,、um, you know, it was fun. It was a cool experience. I traded him some like throwing knives for the tattoo, and then、um, it kind of like sparked my interest into it. You know, people were like a lot, like as a young kid, people were like, "Hey, you should like get into tattoos, right?" Because I I drew a lot and stuff like that. I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, "Nah, you know, I'm not really interested in being an artist." You know, I was more interested in、uh, you know having a, a regular job or something like that. And then、uh, from there, I got an apprenticeship into like a regular shop. And then from there, I went to、uh, I came back home to to、uh, Westminster, and then I reapprenticed again at, at、uh, my tattoo with、uh, my current master Jesse Yen. No. This idea of being an artist, every tattoo tech or person who's doing tattooing has got to have some level of drawing ability, right? Or is that not the case? Drawing ability and tattooing. I think of tattooing as more as a, a culture, a tradition, and a technical skill, right? Drawing in itself is also a technical skill. All these things can be taught, just like anything else, like in a school or a trade school, right? I believe the general thing is a pure, genuine interest in the art form. If you have、um, a good character and you have a genuine interest and you have good discipline, I think anyone can really do something with it. You can be very talented, but if you have bad ethics or a bad attitude, then It's it's not going to work out for you either way,、why? you know, or no self control. It's really bad in a way. Why?、Uh, well, tattooing is kind of today. It's it's a bit more of like kind of like a lot of rock stardom, you know, and it can really take a hold of you if you don't have a lot of self control, you know, because you people party. You're you have like easy access to those type of. Um, circles, you know what I mean. So it's easy for you to kind of like lose track of the art. You know, some 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 people get busy having fun, 
and they they kind of forget like the work ethic. And if you're you're really talented and you, you can get really in those circles really fast, but then if you don't continue working on your art form, you don't continue to grow, then you plateau um, at a, a very fast point. I don't know if that answered that question. Yeah, it, it does. And I the next thing is, well, how do you know as a tattoo artist that you've plateaued? That's the problem. You probably won't. The um, the other other people will tell you, you know, or if you don't critically take a look at yourself, right? And, and like seriously, take a look at your work and analyze your work and be like, did I improve? Did I get better? Do I feel better? Being an artist is kind of a curse, right? We're yeah. just kind of reaching for something that's kind of perfect to us, yeah. Or reaching something that you know maybe our hand skill cannot reach our creative skill, right? Or, or our desire, right? It's, you know, many of us are, are very humble, but we have the, a lot of us have like a lot of uh, artist pride, you know, we have, we, I don't, I don't care like who they are or what they say, but they, if you're an artist, you have some kind of pride in your work, right? You put your time, you put your effort, you, you turned your head to these naysayers like, hey, hey, don't do that. There's no money in this. There's no career. There's no future, right? Like you're crazy, you know? And like, yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of crazy. We're kind of, we're kind of weird. We're kind of oddballs. We're kind of, you know, uh, counterculture. You know, tattoo artists that I've known, I know, I know a few of them. I have a cousin, first cousin, who, who's been a tattoo artist for many years. And there's this sort of uh, intelligence that is uh, very strong in terms of how they see the world and they have this very strong point of view uh and they're very technically proficient uh, i haven't met a shallow tattoo artist and for some reason i think if you are a shallow tattoo artist you're probably not going to make it you probably won't have the clients and is that because it's almost like you got to be good at the work the art and you have to grow but you're also doing therapy at the same time you're probably listening to a lot of clients as they're talking to you while you're tattooing um, that is a, a interesting question because there are a lot of, um, tattooers that don't have ethics. So what happened recently is this thing called tattoo gate. So tattoo gate is, um, people who are kind of taking advantage of new, new, uh, clientele that are coming into tattooing who kind of don't know the pricing and kind of, kind of don't know this kind of don't know that right they don't understand the quality and they don't understand um the options that they have out there today because today is the greatest options a consumer can have in tattooing ever right you have the internet you have instagram you have so many ways to reach out to artists and uh a lot of these younger artists who kind of like into the game kind of like treat it like a business instead of like that hey that therapy that 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 culture that that doing things for the customer, they take advantage of them. They want to charge them thousands of dollars just to have a consultation for a drawing and not even started the tattoo yet. And then, you know, not refund them their money and then give them attitude and pretend to be rock stars. Again, it goes back to like that, that, that discipline, right? So there are a lot of people who kind of just treat it as like a shady business. And if they market themselves well, then yeah, they can be, they can be very, very, very successful, right? They can be very successful. It can go into, more of a popularity thing than than anything right um especially the world of photoshop now right they, they can do a tattoo and it can be really really like not to par but then can photoshop it up and fluff it up and then buyer beware you know and throw it up on the internet and be like hey this is my stuff 
but it's like totally just um in real life you see it and you're like oh shit like that's that's not the same thing <laughs> you know damn so there's there's a lot of like a lot of things have changed technology has changed and opportunities have changed right it's there's a lot of stuff to dig into that right ethics wise you know you talk a lot about ethics and um i had the feeling and suspicion that it comes from uh, how you were trained in a specific tradition can you tell me about how you got involved in this specific tradition and your title uh, as Hori? Um, because there's this whole uh, tradition that you come from and, you know, there's a deep legacy of, of the work that you do. Uh, yes. So from what I know, I am the first um, Vietnamese Hori. Uh, Hori means to carve and it is, it is a, a title uh, given to mostly the tattooers who, who've who gone through a traditional training. You can only get a Hori title if you learn from a Hori master, right? So there's a lineage thing there. Um, if you do not have a Hori master and you start off yourself, then you're considered a Shodai, a person who creates this family. And if you create this family, then you have to get recognized by another family to give it status, Right to give it um, uh, power, I guess. Right, people to, for people to respect that title. Because if you walk around and you have a Hori name, they'll be like, "Who is your teacher?" And then you'd be like, "Oh, my teacher is Hori Yen, Jess Yen." Right, and then uh, but if you don't have that, then they're like, "Well, who taught you? Who's your teacher? Why do you self-proclaim yourself as a Hori?" Right, um, but when you go about the world of you know you started in tattooing and you go about this uh this journey how did you stumble upon this world of japanese hori tradition i was already a professional tattoo artist in the bay area and then i came back down um kind of uh, i had an opportunity to kind of people wanted to sponsor to open my own shop and then I think around that time there was kind of like the um, like the 2008 financial uh, real estate thing, right? And then a lot of things kind of fell apart. So then I was going to go travel the world with a bud with uh, my my old uh, my old buddy, and then we were just going to tattoo and travel the world. And then it was the days of MySpace, right? So MySpace, I, I stumbled. They added me in their like my tattoo group. And I took a look and I saw it, and then there was like, oh yeah, Hori and Jesse Yen. And I saw Tabori and then I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. And then I saw it and I was like, wow, you know, like I really, I'm really interested. It really like drew me in and it says that they, they were taking apprentices. And then I talked to my buddy and, and he explained to me what, what the Hori title was, right? Uh, my friend and then uh, Matt. And then he was like, yeah, man, if you get a Hori title, you're like respected everywhere. You can get a job anywhere. You can work, you know, whatever, you know? And I was like, oh Yeah. Uh, let me let me go check it out, you know. And then I I walked in and it was uh, a different kind of atmosphere, completely than a regular tattoo shop. Because my my original uh, training is in uh, Americana, right? It's like a traditional Americana uh, in the Bay Area. And then before that, it was like a street scratcher, you know, like tattooing at tweakers' houses over here. Mm -hmm. And then I walk into this thing, this place where it's like you know very heavily Asian influence, very heavily in like respect and tradition and like, you know, kind of like a dojo, you know? 
Wow. And when you uh, go in there, what do they tell you? They're like, uh, hey, this is going to take like a 12 month thing. It's going to take five years. What, like, how do they explain this tradition for you? Oh, fuck. Uh, so I walked in there and then it was more like I came in with my portfolio, right? If I can remember, my memory is not that great, but I walked in there and then um, I set up a time for an interview and then they like looked at my portfolio and at the time I thought it was like pretty all right, you know, I was like a, as a professional brand new tattoo artist, young kid, you know. How long were you tattooing for at that point? I did my first tattoo in 2003. I started um, tattooing at the shops around like 2000. Uh, four or five, and then I walked into my tattoo around 2006. So this is around 2006, that, you know, at the kind of end of the year, mid-year. Um, but they, yeah, they, they, they broke me. They broke up, they broke down my work, and then they, they showed me I, I wasn't shit, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, I, you know what I mean? They're like, hey, take a look at my other students' work. I took a look at other students' work, and they're like, really amazing, right, at that time. It was like uh, Lucy and, uh, you know, Milton and Kohei at the time. And, uh, yeah, their work was, like, super clean, like, super, like, very, very precise. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, how you say, it was just, a, a, it was another level, right? And for me to see, like, uh, that higher caliber, I was like, oh, shit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, had, to, I had to get humbled. I had to get checked real quick. You know, and then we talked about the apprenticeship and then the apprenticeship is is for life, right? We mm. learn forever, right? We always want to learn. We always want to keep an apprentice mentality that we are not never there, you know, that we're always open to learning. We're always open to, you know, get new ideas and to grow and to, you know, make our skill better right the the day that we stop being an apprentice of you know of life or you know in this case tattooing is you know it's the day you just stop man go do something else i love that i love it and when you're looking at these lines in the beginning right you're looking at these other students and you're like wait my shit's not shit you know it makes me it triggers me to think about like in our Vietnamese upbringing, we don't have these deep, I don't know, I don't want to generalize, but I'm just saying from my, just from my point of view, my, my experience in my life, I haven't been exposed to a lot of like deep cultural discipline, the way I'm hearing it coming out of the Japanese, like the Japanese training that you're having. Is there a thought that you had during those times where you're like, whoa, the way I was brought up is very different from the way this shop is teaching me to like look at life. A hundred percent, right? Absolutely. So growing up in, you know, like Little Saigon and Westminster and stuff like that, right? It's kind of like a jungle out there, right? It's more like there wasn't a, a strong uh, rank system or structure, right? It's not yeah. like, oh yeah, there's like the head and then there's, uh, you know, second in command, and then you have your capos, and then you have your, your your grunts or whatever, right? You don't, you don't. It's like that structure wasn't really strongly there. It was kind of like everyone for themselves, and it was kind of like you know, uh, 
you know, the, the respect value wasn't there. I know there are certain groups and their, their structure was, um, was pretty good and stuff like that, but it wasn't to the T like this, right? It was kind of like a manual, man. It was like, Hey, you do this, here's that problem. You do this, here's that problem. The biggest thing was like, there was an answer for fucking everything. Damn. Right. Like if you like if I'm if I'm gonna take out the trash or some shit, there is a fucking process for me to take out the trash. If there's me to like pour a bottle or pour water or something like that, there's a fucking way to pour the water. There's a certain way to make eye contact. There's a certain way to walk. Wow. Certain way to bow. Certain way to open the door. Certain way to go to the bathroom. Certain way to fold a paper towel. Certain way to shake a hand. Certain way to light a cigarette. So there's just so much structure in in that in itself you know what i mean it's it was totally um different and and, and that that time i was young i was kind of like i was kind of yearning for that structure my whole life you know yeah. i was kind of like looking for that 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 um because i was kind of like a wild kid you know so I, I needed structure i needed i needed uh discipline i needed you know someone to put me kind of like in check because you know like there was there was really nothing around for me in, in that way in that world you know a beautiful answer man and i'm always on the quest to instill process driven conversations you know uh i love talking about the idea of process and what you just said about there's a way to go to the bathroom there's a way to fold a, a, a piece of paper there's a way to fill up ink bottles all of that is like a beautiful thing that we God damn, I hate saying this all the time. I, I mean, I'm always making apologies. We, we just didn't grow. I didn't grow up with that. I didn't have that. I never saw that until I got in the military, right? And you know, you start to reflect on like the quality of where we're headed within design, within tattoo, within fashion, within music. If we don't have these deep cultural processes, like cultures like the Japanese, the the Koreans, the uh, Israelis, the Americans, and we don't have these processes in place, you know, it's a sad thing because we can never progress if we don't have a structure. I agree, and then, but also that we do have those structures, right? Like Vietnamese people do have these structures. They do have this rank system. They do have this style. It just wasn't passed on to us as we came here to America, and you know we kind of lost that way, right? Um, maybe know. back in. T tell me. T tell I mean, me. well, like let's say, like say in. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, like, no. no. Uh, this is a healthy debate, and I want to hear your side. And I, I, I welcome anytime I hear like, oh, no, no, the Vietnamese have it. But did they have it like the Hori tradition, right? Or did they have it like making swords? I always talk about this stuff with the Japanese. They're just so process-driven. So you're mm -hmm, coming back mm -hmm. with a with – a, hopefully with a good example, and I want to hear it. Okay. Okay. It, it may not be the same, right? And um, just to just to go back a little bit, so like the Hori system, yeah, it's it's taken from like the Japanese structure thing. But my tattoo, Hori and Ichimo, we are a multicultural group, right? So we're not all Japanese and things like that. We're we're a mix. Uh, we're a mix of all kinds of races, all kinds of genders, all kinds of everything. You know, we're very open in that way. So we take the best parts of all of our cultures. You know what I'm saying? And we put it together, and then we formed our family. 
Um, so I don't want to just put everything like, hey, like this is like the Japanese way, and this because we don't we don't do everything like in the Japanese way, as well. But uh, back to that question of uh, Vietnamese, right? I've met plenty of um, Vietnamese cats who are also have that same level of respect and values, and maybe not to the T of like the structure and everything, but you know when you meet another cat, and then they're like they have. They have that, you know what I mean? They have the respect, the value. Like, Because the, at the core of it, that's what's important, right? You understand when to pay respect to your elders. You, you, you know when to, you know, shut the fuck up. You know, you know when to, you know, bow. You know, you, know, you, know, you know when to serve, right? And you know when to be strong and you know when to back up your people. And you know when to, to, to do the right thing, right? And when to sacrifice yourself for, like, the greater cause. And things like that. I think at the core, you know, there are plenty of us, and there's plenty of Vietnamese people who have that that respect value, and um, and know and know the system, right? Because that system is pretty universal. Um, in say it's in same say like uh, say like mafia or say gangs or something like that. Like it, that's still there, or like a very strict uh, structural in family. Right, like you have to pay respect for the eldest, and then like your your parents, and then the eldest siblings, and then like you know. So that rank system is there. We talk about it, but how enforced was it upon us? Right, because in America it was it was the land of the free. It was you know I mean it was like opportunists. Everybody's equal, and everybody out there get your shit. Right, you know, don't matter how big you are, you still get got. Right, but you know, I think um, if you're like classically trained like within like like a family like family system and that was taught to you then that's there i just don't think it was our 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 uh our norm right it wasn't our uh community norm yeah and and that's really what i'm talking about you're what you're talking about is more like etiquette tradition family piety filial piety you're talking about how we respect each other and love each other and sort of like the infrastructure of the family and how that operates right and i agree with you in that way culturally we do have a very cool hierarchical system that you know sometimes a little bit toxic from the patriarchy and you know most of the time but i'm yeah, yeah. talking about something different i'm talking about traditions of creating products okay crap sorry sorry i got no, no 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 because uh I wasn't clear enough in my in my in my question to you. And you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because that is something that I respect very much is this, you know, the way we are in our families and our hierarchical structures. But I'm talking now specifically I want to drill down because you create a product which is tattoos, you create art, and there's mm -hmm. a pro there's a process. And I always want to go back to that in all the people that I talk to in the Vietnamese world whether you're making movies, mm -hmm. writing a book or you're doing tattoos, right? Doesn't matter to me. The deep tradition, and why does a, a Vietnamese kid have to go to get a Japanese thing? Because the tradition in the Japanese side is so rich. And then where and when is the Vietnamese traditional tattoo going to come up in, on the map and figure out a way to go discipline, ethics, all the things that you talk about that you've gotten in your life. And I, I just, I'm curious about that process for the Vietnamese culture. Got it, got it. So I think the thing is that when you go through Hori training, it, it changes you, right? 
It changes you mentally, spiritually. You just become a different person, right? Who I am today is far different than who I was before I became uh, a Hori, right? So what it is is that it had nothing to do with tattooing, ironically, right? It was having the mentality before the skill, right? Giving a shit, right? Caring, right? Having respect for what you're doing, right? Uh, having respect for your clientele, right? Like tattooing is is not a, it's not my hobby, right? It's not my job, right? It is It is my life, right? So we switch that mentality to, you know, this is not just something that I practice. This is something that I live. This is something that who I am, right? So tattoos are for life. So how can I not treat it as lifetime things, right? One dot on your skin is forever. So how can we not treat it with the utmost highest respect, right? Um, so in that mentality, we treat everything in that way, you know, everything very careful, everything double checked, everything, you know, cross reference, and we work together as well, you know, and to have that uh, discipline, right? It really comes down to your teacher, right? You have a loose teacher, then you're going to have a loose training, right? You have a very disciplined uh, teacher, right? You know, they, there's a saying, they're saying masters are always hard to please, right? And there's a reason for that, you know? So it, when everything is very difficult, everything else becomes very easy. It's like um, people who are kind of like proud of getting like good grades or something like that, right? They're like, hey, I got, I got good grades. I got good. You're supposed to get good grades, right? It's a different mentality. It's like you go to school, you're supposed to do well, right? Like, oh, I go to work and I did a good job. You're supposed to do a good job. What if I went to work today and I just fucked up your tattoo and I just, I just fuck off all day. Like I'm supposed to do a good job. That's what you came here for. You gave me your money and all this and stuff. Or you trust me with your skin. Let's just cut money, all of that. You come with me to do this thing for you, right? It's, I'm supposed to do my best for you. That's, that's the bottom line. That's not the top line. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's the thing when I'm talking about. You have got it. You've got that. You've adopted that. You have picked yeah. it up in the tradition that you have practiced in. But what I'm saying is that we need more of that in the Vietnamese culture. When we're making ceramics, when we're doing music, when we're doing whatever, mm -hmm. we got to get to that level where the standard is you got to fucking kill it. You got to kick ass and you got to give it. And it's just not. And I and I'm I dig for this all the time in in yeah. our generations. Why is it not there? Why don't give it time? We, yeah, we have to give it time. We have to give it time. So let's say if I uh, start teaching and I pass down this knowledge that I have onto somebody else, right? Regardless of, of race or anything like that. If I have Vietnamese students, or I can, um, you know, influence those people. Be like, yeah, well, I want to be like that, right? And you're looking at like restaurants right now, or like. Um, or any other industry right now, like Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese people are bringing the bar up from what it used to be. The young, yeah, right? the young folks are definitely yeah. they're scaling so, like, concepts. You know, the the restaurant mm -hmm. group in Orange County definitely doing the discipline, definitely doing the work. Yeah, I think I think the reason why um, is because Vietnam and Vietnamese people have always been in a constant battle. We've always been preoccupied with you know um with just wars right there's just been wars from the beginning of time from the beginning of history just until now really 
you know, only now is that Vietnam has and Vietnamese people have really like found some peace, right? Or and are really getting like that time to give a shit about a pot, right? Or give a shit about, you know, some 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 mundane thing, right? Before that, it was just it was survival, right? Like, yo, I gotta put food on the table. Yeah. I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta survive. Like the fuck do I care about, you know, arts and crafts and music and you know and and standards and stuff like that. I just gotta do whatever I gotta do. Right. And then I got like 10 kids and I got this and I got that. I don't know how our, our parents' generation did that. Like it's, it, you know, it's hardcore. You yeah, know? You're hundred percent right. right. We have to worry about, they had to worry about getting the next generation in the U S or abroad or wherever, even in Vietnam well enough so they can make money. So they don't have to like die. of mm -hmm. They always have to worry about that. So this idea of like figuring out process is almost wiped out. If maybe we did have it hundreds of years ago, but it's it's not there anymore. It's completely, you know. Yeah, it's completely gone now. But I, I think it's the sacrifice of the older generation that they made for us, right? Working at the bullshit things that they were not passionate about. They didn't give, you know, they just did it because it was ends meet. And, you know, it got their kids to a better place to have a better opportunity so they can pursue whatever and then fixate and then create that quality. So I think maybe it's just, just the baseline of uh, us setting things up for generational uh, success. Yeah. And I, I always go back to this idea of like ownable exports coming out of Vietnam, whether it's coming out of the Vietnamese culture in America or Vietnamese culture in Vietnam or Germany, it doesn't matter if we could really focus on the quality of things and the process of the quality, then there is a shot of sending out ownable exports because we have a lot of young people in Vietnam. We have a lot of young people around mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And we just have to really correct this way of pushing our ownable exports into the world. And we need to really focus and drive this idea of process the way the, the Hori tradition is doing for you. Yeah, I, I complete. I completely agree with you, and I think they're doing that, right? And I think we're just we're in that trajectory. Yeah, right. We're definitely in that trajectory. Vietnam is filled with uh, a younger generation, right? There's more young people than old people, so they have the bright ideas. They they're willing to try all these new things, right? They're willing to spend that money to pimp out their coffee shop, right, and make it more uh, more modern and have that service and they've traveled to you know japan and korea and singapore and the u.s and around the world and they've they've gotten that worldly experience you know and they brought that stuff back right and all you know and uh and uh yeah i, th I think it's, it's going in that way and i totally feel you too because like i remember just like oh vietnamese people just like uh franchise this thing they're gonna fuck it up watch you know and it's and it happens all the time right because you know it's just they don't they don't crack the whip, right? They're just like, yo, you're supposed to do this shit. You're supposed to do that, right? Because, you know, maybe they feel that, you know, their their people is going to be mad at them or something like that or whatever. But, you know, it's business, right? It's business or it's something that you, you went in for money and you don't, you don't really give a shit about, right? Exactly. So that, that's you know? what I'm talking about. It's like the quick buck mentality, right? It's going mm -hmm. to make quick money. It's going to make quick money and let's not worry about how this turns out. You know why? Because I, I come from that upbringing. You know, I come from, mm -hmm. I, I was around that a lot in my life and you cut corners and you're just like, fuck, let's just make the money. Let's just make, yeah, làm đại đi, you know, yeah. I, um, I know that you're, uh, you love history because I think we were hanging out in the, uh, 
were hanging out in this plaza with uh, Brian Huang uh, and other artists. And right, we were walking around the back yeah, yeah. parking lot and you were going into the historical details of these these murals that were left uh, that were left uh, to, to just kind of rot back there. But, you know, I really yeah. respect the, the things that you had to say about the art the art that was that was existing on the thing and i uh when i was listening to you i'm like oh this is interesting because you know all these details about actually what i have on the back of the these panels here is my brother uh his company it's all the 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 stuff that oh. you're talking about at oh, the, i see it yeah when we're walking uh wow, beautiful. all of these wonderful yeah things. yeah yeah where did you learn all that stuff um well as i was training in uh, my tattoo, Hori and Ichimo, right? Everyone kind of was like, had their thing, right? They were like focusing on like, oh yeah, I'm going to focus on uh, Japanese work, right? And then, so, oh, I'm going to focus on Chinese work, right? Or I'm going to do uh, uh, calligraphy, brush style, stuff like that, right? And then I sat there, I was like, well, what's mine, right? And we sit there and we're like, well, what is Vietnamese culture? What is a Vietnamese tattoo, what is, you know, Vietnamese uh, history, right? And as a young kid, I, I, I really didn't know other than besides, you know, war and stuff like that. And every time, you know, early Google, when you Google anything like Vietnamese, it just popped up as war. And then that's when I learned the phrase, Vietnam is not a war, it is a country, it is a people, you know, that shit doesn't happen to like Japan. You don't look up like Japan and it's just like, oh yeah, war. No, it's castles and fucking geishas and cherry blossoms and fun shit and food and ramen. Like what the fuck, right? Like how come I, when I Google Vietnam, it's just like, oh yeah, it's just fucking Americans and fucking China and you know, like it's just like fuck. So there wasn't a lot of information out there. I, I met uh, a guy uh, by the name of Jack Bosher. He's a big inspiration as well. And then he's a friend of my master, Jess Yen. And then he was guest spotting with us. And then he had a bountiful information about uh, Japanese culture, Japanese stories, right? And then he's a white guy. Yeah, he's a white guy from Kalamazoo, right? And then, but he wears, he wears a fucking, he wears Japanese clothing. He folds it the right way. He carries a katana. So he knows how to sit down on the floor. He, he's very, he's, he's super fanatic like that, right? And then I was like, holy shit, right? And then I was like, I was like, do you read and write Japanese? And he's like, no, not a lick. And I was like, what the fuck, man? And then that really inspired me. I was like, bro, because like, my Vietnamese isn't that great. It's, it is my first language, but my reading and writing, it just kind of just fell off. And even speaking kind of fell off now, right? Because I moved to the Bay and back. And I just don't use it as much as I used to anymore. But yeah, that really inspired me. But like, you know what? If this guy can do it, if I can, you know, I can do it, right? And then I don't, I'm tired of seeing like, um, I was tired of seeing Vietnamese cats and they, uh, they want to get a tattoo, but they just get everything else, right? They get Japanese tattoos, they get Chinese tattoos, they get uh, Mexican tattoos, they get like, I'm not trying to be like, you know, all kinds of race, but they get, they get everything but Vietnamese tattoos because the general public doesn't know what that is. We don't know what that is, right? Yeah. And I, not only do we not, I, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Not only do we not know what that is, but I'm sure the artists who are tattooing, there's not a lot of you guys that are doing that particular thing. No, absolutely not. But I, I started I started that research, you know, damn near twenty years ago, and there's no demand for it, right? So I had to I had to give it up. So I tried and I learned, I read the books and you know, stuff like that. And but then I try to push it into like the Vietnamese general public yeah. and they don't know what it was and they don't understand it. It looks kind of weird to them, right? They're like, oh, I don't get it, right? 
You know, it looks like, you know, like, because I, I specifically do, like, uh, pre-China occupation, like, some culture and stuff like that, right? So, like, I don't get it. I don't understand, you know? And then, but the only thing that really stuck was Vietnamese calligraphy, Vietnamese brush style, right? As you saw at uh, the signing that, that day. Um, so, that was the only thing that kind of stuck that I, that I kind of kept doing that really sold um, to the market on a global scale. Everywhere around the world, people loved Vietnamese brush style. Right, their name in Spanish and French, in German or whatever, right in English, right? Like Samantha, can you do my my wife's name, Samantha, but Vietnamese brush style? So that kind of stuck because that was easy to understand, right? So that's why I think it's good. It's it. We have to push the narrative. We have to push the story. Once you understand the story, and then you're like, oh wow, that's kind of cool, and then you can push the the tattoo. This is specifically for tattooing, but I think that's for anything else. Jack Bush also said that too. It's like, first you have to educate, you have to educate your clients and then they can appreciate and then like it, you know, because other than that, everyone's just getting dragons, koi's, hanyas, whatever. Right. Until you really know the story until it really hits like general public. And they're like, Oh yeah, there's other things. Right. So yeah, you don't have to get tattoos of Dofa or whatever. At the end of the day, it's all about the story, you know, at yeah end of the day in order to sell anything in order to be proud of anything it's all about the fucking story and mm -hmm. in your work having to persuade vietnamese men and women to get fucking symbols and art pieces of their own culture is something of a fucking uphill battle because they just want to get the the japanese stuff because that looks cool yeah i mean at that time Right at that time. Now, today, right, the internet has caught up, right? So the internet has caught up, and then there's far more access to that information now. Now that there's far more access to that information, people now understand, and now people are kind of looking for people like me, right? So now I'm, I'm put into this position where I'm kind of blessed, right, where people are kind of coming to me just for that. They're like, hey, man, I know you're, you're, you're the Vietnamese tat guy, right? Like, you're the one with the history. You're the guy with the knowledge. And that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for my skill. You're paying for what I know, right? My education, right? Like, yeah, I can find out, you know, and, and create the same thing with the Japanese flow, with the, the skill of realism or whatever, you know, that my masters have taught me. Um, and then I can bring that into uh, Vietnamese uh, stories and Vietnamese art and, or even like sneak some Vietnamese stuff in with the Japanese stuff or sneak it in with the other stuff and get in so I can pay an homage to what I'm trying to do. What would it take to have a Vietnamese master tradition, like the whole tradition, but for the Vietnamese culture? Um, it's already happening, right? So uh, my master, Hori Yen, Jess Yen, right? We have um, an overseas uh, student in Vietnam. His name is Dennis. He is the owner of Saigon Inc., and then, you know, he is kind of like a sub factor of our group. And, you know, it, it all follows in, in that line of tradition as well. So, you know, they have to check in with us. And then you also have another artist in Vietnam that is under a trial process right now to, to join our family. His name is Lam, Lam Viet in, in the North. So hopefully that these traditions will come uh, to them, but they are already have that, have that heart already, you know, their heart is already there in, in that, in, in alignment in that same values. 
You know what I mean? Because you can't just have that for everybody because it's not for everybody, yeah. right? It's like not everyone's willing to like dedicate their, themselves and their lives to this thing, right? Tattooing now, I feel like it's kind of trendy. It's kind of fad. It's kind of cool or whatever, right? But we were all in this when you know it wasn't cool right where you were looked at as like a scumbag or like lower than low end of society you know so it's it's a different world now yeah but yeah i think i think that tradition is going to be spread out there and coming down and so on and so forth and yeah you know and i and i still am a little bit uh sitting on pins and needles right now to think of it as japanese culture in vietnam you know it's just I, I'm trying to make peace with it because I I am so pro Vietnamese and pro culture Vietnamese getting elevated that I'm having mm -hmm. you know and 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 talk me through this walk me through this like I guess going back to the original question that I asked is is there a way to channel it into becoming a Vietnamese tradition Vietnamese way of doing things instead of the branded because you bring the hori into Vietnam, then it becomes the Japanese Vietnamese tradition, right? Is there anybody mm -hmm. doing a really process driven thing like the horis, but from a Vietnamese cultural perspective? I believe there are some groups uh, in Vietnam that are building their own family style system, but that's in their own way. Like I said, um, if you don't learn it from a Hori, then you can't have the Hori title, right? Or you shouldn't, right? Um, but, you know, they are basically essentially creating their own family style system and their own Shodai, right? But it's just going to be like, oh, um, you know, like Andy's family or something like that, right? So they're just, they're just doing it on their own because they see it and they're mimicking it, right? And again, it's going to come down to ethics, right? Or do you train? 200 students like all at once right are you like that of a master right or are you doing it because you want the power or is it that because you want the money or is it that because you're too lazy to clean up after yourself or whatever it is because that's that i believe that is a a thing that tattooing has always really hated like uh, the tattoo community has always hated the older heads Right. And as the newer generation came in, they don't give a flying fuck. Right. Like, I'm, I'm just going to do oh, a web seminar or I'm going to teach as many people as possible without teaching them the core values of tattooing or the core values of the industry. Right. Just like just the simple matter of respect is already like not there. Right. They're just teaching it just like, oh, just because it's fucking fantastic sams now i'm just gonna teach people how to cut hair it's gonna so i fear that tattooing is gonna just fall into that realm of you know there's gonna be so many that it's gonna lose its it's kind of its exclusivity and its beauty right yeah i mean like everyone join in but you know the right people to join in the right people who who give a shit right and not you know shallow tattooers like you said or people who just kind of want to do it for the weekend yeah but it's kind of like you know making alcohol right like anybody can make alcohol Anybody can make yeah, it's true. beer. It's true. Anybody. And it's not that hard. It's really not hard to make beer. Mm -hmm. Anybody can make wine. Anybody can press uh, and distill whiskey. But mm -hmm. why are certain whiskeys consistent and they're clean and they 
they make you feel a certain way when they hit your palate. And it's the same thing. I think people who enjoy those kinds of things, who have the palate to understand a good whiskey or people who put deliberate images of what they really want and they take years to think about, they go to a guy like you because there's an alignment there of sort of like, I want to plan. I want to think. I want to like go deep and I got to find the guy who can actually execute that. I totally agree, right? Like tattooing is not a, a hard thing to to process or do, right? You just pick up a thing. And then of course, technology has changed a lot of that because we use different equipment then than we do now, which dictates the difference of what level of art you can do now, right? Because of technology, because of the tools that we have today. But the thing is that um, with any other product, it's not permanent, it's not forever. And it's mm -hmm. not like... Um, you don't you don't uh, make someone else bleed and go through pain and and things like that for permanence is something that the generations and generations and all their family sees and gets judged upon and it's on your skin forever right so it's that just that level of respect where like i like what i was saying before is like we don't play around right one dot even one single dot should require all of your effort all of your love all of your respect towards that skin right towards that uh that person, right? It's just like if I were to tattoo you, I would, I would give you my utmost best, right? I'm I'm gonna die trying to do the best for you, because that's you know that's my responsibility. That is my you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not my job, but that's my responsibility. You know what I mean? That's my respect. Now, do you look back on all the work you did before you got really good, and you go, "Damn, do you feel bad for all the people who got your tattoo in the early years?" I, I, I still feel I fucked up today. You know what I mean? I, don't, I really don't think I'm good. You know what I mean? Wow. I, I never think I'm good. You know, I maybe feel happy for like five, 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? So I love all my clients and I, and I love, and all the work that I've done is the best I can do. Right. It, I like, I can honestly die with no regret because it is my absolute best that I could give to you. Right. Whether I think it's good or not, that's that's my own problem. Right. That's my own, you know, mental problem. Right. Like never happy, never fucking. It's that. never good enough. Right. Yeah. I love that answer. So, man. yeah, it's 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 never perfect. It's never like, again, we're artists are delusional. Right. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm it's just it's just a delusion. Right. It's never perfect. It's never, you know, there's always something I can look back and be like, fuck, I wish I could just change that thing. Right. That that one percent thing, you know. And that's an obsession, right? And uh, yeah, and you know, I'm sorry for all, all all the cats before my shit. And if you feel like I fucked up your tattoo, my bad. But you know, that's the best I can do, you know, at that time. There is a a beautiful book that um that oh I've been given <laughs> by you. It's beautiful. This is a such a beautiful book. Can you tell me about? how the book was put together because physically it is not like a regular book. Uh, there's folding papers and pages and <laughs> it is a beautiful book about art. It's not just tattooing, right? And can you tell me about the journey of the book and why the book is in existence? Well, we've talked about making a book for a very, very long time, but we, all of us are artists, right? Who's we? None of us. I mean, our, our collective, right? Hori and Ichimo and my tattoo, Jesse and family, right? So the Jesse and family uh, current members are our master and leader, Jesse Yen. Then it goes down to Lucy Hu. And then it goes to uh, Hori Shin. 
and then myself, Corey Tran, and then uh, Man Yao, and then it goes to uh, Dewey, Dewey Nguyen, and then Sunny Ma. So those are the core members of uh, my tattoo family. Um, we The book came about is we were always thinking about doing a family book, but it's mostly my master. He he, he was going to do a book and he was approach a book. But my, my master is very inclusive, right? He's like, you know, I know you guys want me, but I want to include my family, right? He's always he's always very inclusive of us. He's like, you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta fuck with my family, right? Yeah, I, I, I do I do everything. He does everything for the family. You know, what I mean, it's very selfless act of him. So he uh, did a gallery with Horiyoshi the Third in Japan, right? Uh, an art gallery where we did these scroll paintings, as you saw in in the in the um, at the Asian Garden Mall, Hotel. So it's that same style. So he did a gallery. So, and then the year after he invited us, the students. And then, so we started doing scroll paintings and then we got the honor of joining Horiyoshi uh, family in Japan to do art galleries in Japan every year. And then all those pictures were kind of like a collective of all that art and all of sub art and then put together by uh, Zushu, which is uh, a partner of uh, OSIS. He's the um, the artisan who makes all like uh, the jewelries and everything that you saw that section in the book, and then he's you know he's a master bookmaker, and then he helped consult with uh, my master, and then they they just made a bunch of these crazy decisions. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was, uh, it was epic seeing you sign these books because it was like a just a, a, a shit ton of people surrounding your table as you're signing these beautiful books and. Um, yeah, I, at that point, I was like, oh, this, is a, this guy's the real deal. I started to look at the book, look through the book, and, you know, I was like, well, this is something. This is a big – for me, it's a, a story here because, you know, it's not it's not just a Vietnamese tattoo artist. There's a, some lineage here. There's a, an understanding of ethics and discipline, all the things that you mentioned before. Um, and I am, you know, so happy to have gotten your story today and, and heard uh, what you do, and I, I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I wish I, I showed up a bit earlier that day and, you know, and then got everything prepared. Everything was kind of just like the perfect storm and everything was last minute. Those books just got in like that day. And then I just happened to bring them that day, too. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And um, once again, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I hope to see more of you um, at these events. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.